We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to US News and World Report, we're the 25th top paying career. Make an impact as a fact seeker and a truth teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. I'm Sanders Tisdale. And I'm James Owen. Tonight's guest played the safety position for 10 years in the NFL. Drafted in the second round, pick number 50 of the 1997 NFL Draft. Still a 2005 Super Bowl champion. Champion. With NFL career stats of 292 tackles, five forced fumbles, five fumble recoveries, three interceptions. Take your breath. Three and a half sacks, 23 passes defended. We welcome to tonight's show, Pittsburgh's own Mike Logan. Mike, how you doing? And welcome to Steeler Nation Live. Well, thanks for having me. I'm doing pretty well right now. I'm, I'm recuperating. I'm trying to get this old body back into shape. So I just came from the gym at my local YMCA. And um, I've had some tough coaches in my day. But <laughs> the trainer that I was working with up there, is, uh, she's like a 5'6", five, 5'7", five, 130-pound uh, female, and she kicked my tail today. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm recuperating. I'm recuperating right now. Beautiful. Hey, that's what it's all about. They said the little ones, they got, they, they're got they the ones with the fire and spunk, Mike. So I'm, I'm feeling it from you right now, brother. Yeah, she wasn't backing down, though. She was up in my face, too, telling me to come on and uh, <laughs> motivating and encouraging me to get on. So I am hope that she doesn't listen to the show. I'm I'm a little intimidated by her. I'll admit it. I'll put it out there into existence. I'm a little I'm a little intimidated by her. She she's she's feisty. So uh she's but she but she's helping me with this whole body back in the shape. So it's it's getting the tune up. Hey Mike, let's go back a couple weeks, all right, in, in your life. You're born and raised in Pittsburgh. What was it like growing up in, in Steel City uh, being a Steeler fan? Definitely was a Steeler fan. Um my entire life feels like I was, you know, bred right into uh, the Steeler history and tradition. My grandfather, uh, Theodore Harbor, was actually one of the first African American safety managers at the JNL Steel Mills. Wow. Um, that, you know, the, the irony there is the JNL Steel Mills uh, is gone now, and that's actually the place uh, uh, on the south side where the Pittsburgh Steelers practice facilities are and, and offices are right now. And, uh, you know, my father shared that story with me, and uh, me being able to, you know, be a Pittsburgh Steeler and, 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 work on the same grounds that he got his hands dirty at. It's a, it's a pretty special story for me and a pretty special feeling to have. So I've been around, uh, you know, Steeler football my whole life and uh, definitely knew the history and tradition, um, you know, going into it before I was even thought about, uh, you know, coming to back to Pittsburgh to be a Pittsburgh Steeler. Now, Mike, let me ask you this now. You, you attended um, McKeesport High School, if I'm saying it correctly. Might not, but you know what? <laughs> You're from New York. You can't yeah, exactly. Say it right. You can't say it right anyway. But the fact is, you got to go 
Keysport when you're from New York. Keysport over there. Now you played for the Tigers under Coach George Smith. How was that whole time playing with him in high school? Well, I, I, I'll share this. I, I was uh, born in St. Clair Village on the south side of Pittsburgh. I was raised in Whitaker Projects in West Mifflin for most of my life. And uh, my mother ended up getting a job my sophomore year, and we moved to McKeesport. I really didn't know uh, too much about McKeesport at the time. And uh, I just heard that they had a, you know, when I got there, they said we had a pretty special coach here in George Smith. And, uh, you know, my reputation at the time as a pretty good football player, I guess it didn't perceive me because when I got there, he said, look, you're going to have to work hard to play on this football team. I know a lot of people talking about you, but more importantly, if you have that ability, I want to see you go to college, get an education, uh, you know, and then we'll go from there. So right off the bat, I knew that uh, Coach Smith was going to have a big positive influence in my life, not only on the field, but definitely off the field. And uh, he's had a major impact in a lot of kids' lives from the city of McKeesport. And uh, I think all of the success that people, uh, you know, get after they leave this program it's a big credit to Coach Smith and what he does and how he treats you as a person and as a player on his uh, football team. That's that's something that I think we're missing these days, Mike. You probably could agree and contest to that, that these kids growing up through college, all it is is about the dollar and a dream. It's it's not about the education. It's not about you know becoming a man before a football player. And and that's what's missing out on life. And, and we're, we're starting to see this now in the NFL. But, yeah, uh, we're, we're – yeah, we're definitely seeing that if I can chime in real quick. Um, sure. You know, I, I, I actually coach. Uh, I'm an assistant coach for a high school football team in the inner city here in McKeesport. I coach University Prep, which is uh, USO, is a co-op of three schools in the inner city of, McKees, uh, of, of Pittsburgh. Um, University Prep, Obama Academy, and Science and Technology. And what I try to do as a coach is really get these guys prepared for life. And, uh, exactly. you know, football may play a part into that. But my main goal and objective is to make sure that these guys are prepared for life. I've been fortunate enough to, to have a long career in the NFL and go through the college, uh, the collegiate process and play high school football. So I'm giving uh, them and I'm sharing my testimony with them so they can, you know, equip themselves with the tools necessary to survive in life. And uh, you brought up a good point. That's not being really entrenched in our young athletes, student athletes' minds right now when they're coming out of these programs. Yeah, and think about these these players who make the big dollars. You know, not to get off the you know, you know what we're going at with the with your interview, but you know these young kids that to get all this money, and next thing you know, you see who's bankrupt. You know, they have all these millions and billions of dollars. And next thing you know, they're bankrupt. So um, it's, it's sad. Yeah, it's it's a sad situation now. Um, there, there's a plethora of knowledge out there for young players to to really entrench themselves in and invest themselves in. Uh, they just have to do it. But I think, you know, it's our responsibility as as players who've been in this league to teach these young kids what to do with themselves uh, once they get into the NFL, once they get these big contracts, and what to do with it afterwards. Because uh, it, it, it's sad when you turn on TV and you pick up newspaper and you see a lot of these former players who are going through a lot of financial woes. And, you know, it, it's not just guys who aren't being smart with their money. It's uh, a lot of stuff plays into that. You know, you talk about the, the medical benefits after you're done and how you should handle that. Uh, there's so much more that, uh, you know, players need to know about. And it's just information and it's just education. And it's putting that out there into existence and, and, and into the atmosphere and, and having them really grasp onto it because it's reality. 
Exactly. And you guys out there, especially younger guys is listening to the show on Still a Nation Live. The fact is that, you know, this is what we wanted to grab from the from the listeners out here is to know when we say getting under the helmet of certain players and find out, you know, what they give back to the community in certain aspects is just what Mike just attested to. And the fact is, you know, for younger players to learn that and see that, you know, you, you get the players that have been through it all and then you come back around and you give that back and you try to, you know, encourage these younger guys and to think differently, and and that's what we need here in the NFL. But Mike, now your journey and your journey going into the NFL. Now you coming out of high school, pretty decent player. You're into your senior year. You had to have a plethora of colleges looking at you. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I had listen. It, it, it's, a, it's a funny story. You know, I, I uh, had a pretty decent high school career. Like I said, I came to McKeesport my sophomore year. Um, had to battle and really get you know earn my right into uh, the program. And uh, once I did that, you know, I felt like I was doing pretty well. I was a decent student at the time, and Coach Smith really pressed that. But I had a, a, a teammate of mine. His name was Jason Chavis. He was uh, one of my best friends. Uh, he was in my wedding when I got married. Right. He he uh, was the most coveted athlete on our team at that time. Wow. So he had all the big schools looking at him. And I actually wanted to go to the University of Pittsburgh. Um, I had always had a dream of if I played college football that that's where I would go. Well, at that time, Coach Hackett, I don't think uh, they offered me a full-ride scholarship at the time. He was the only player on our team that they offered a full-ride scholarship. So, you know, I was kind of down and, and, and depressed at that time, but I figured I'd go down the road to 79, go to their biggest rival, <laughs> and then just give it to them for the next four years. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I was able to do that. You know, I went undefeated at my tenure uh, down at West Virginia against Pitt. So I got a little, you know, redemption from them not offering me a full-ride scholarship. Now, West Virginia is no slouch. I mean, they're a pretty no. good school, I mean, academically-wise as, as well. But um, coming out of Pennsylvania, and how was your – how was your – how did your football career begin after West Virginia? Well, after uh, West Virginia, I had a I had a pretty adverse career down in uh, West Virginia. I was I got recruited actually as a tailback, but I went to the Big Thirty Three game and uh, got with a guy named Ty Law that came from Alaquipa, and he taught me how to play cornerback in a couple of days. And I went up to uh, Hershey, Pennsylvania, played in the Big Thirty Three, played cornerback, and Steve Dunlap. Uh, who was a defensive coach down in West Virginia at the time, said, listen, I think you can come over to the other side of the ball and play pretty early. And uh, I was fortunate enough to come in and, and start some games as a redshirt freshman. Uh, we went undefeated in that uh, 93 season down in West Virginia, and I was able to make some plays on defense. However, the next couple of years, I broke my arm three times, the same arm. And uh, I was starting to think that it wasn't my calling to be uh, a, you know, a football player anymore. Uh, there was some real... Uh, lonely and tough days to get oh. through when you're injured so many times, especially as a young guy who came in and had some success. So I had some, you know, encouraging people who were around me, had some good support system from a couple of my college teammates and some coaches who really believed in me and some people back home who just kept instilling into me that I had the ability to go on and, and keep my career going. If I didn't have those people in my life at that time, I don't know where I would have ended up right there because there was a couple of times when I really wanted to give up. But it just makes for a more uh, interesting story when I share my testimony about the road that I had to travel for the young kids that I coached. You know what, Mike? But not only were you a shutdown corner while you are there, 
but you were you ended up being a great return guy as well. Tell us yeah. about your senior year as well, because you were you were the man, brother. Well, well, that that goes back to me playing uh, tailback when I came out of high school. Uh, I always enjoyed touching the football. Uh, I always wanted to mimic my father, who uh, was a running back for South High School um, back in the early, you know back in the seventies. Uh, so I always wanted to be a tailback. When I got down to West Virginia, and they said that I can play early. Uh, on defense, I was like, I jumped at that because I was shopping at the best to get on the field. But returning, being a return specialist enabled me to get the ball in my hands. So every time I got the football in my hands, my goal was to get as many yards as I can get so I can rack some touchdowns up on the board and have that on my, in my repertoire as well. So sure. uh, every, time I, every time I got the ball, whether it was a kickoff or a punt return, I wanted to get into the end zone and get as many yards as I can. And I had the good fortune of being um, all Big East, uh, you know, my senior year on defense right. as a cornerback and as a return specialist doing punt and kickoff return. So it was something that, uh, you know, made me happy that I was able to get some offensive statistics as well. Now, let's fast forward to 97 draft. You had a standout, I mean, a standout collegiate career. You, you're you're basically, you are the man, okay? Now, you, were, you didn't play for a, a Pennsylvania college. Now, were you hoping for the Steelers? To pick you up in this draft? Most definitely. I thought it was a given. I thought it was a given. I said, hey, I think some guys need a cornerback. Oh, uh, I'll, I'll definitely, you know, I said, it's going to set up. This is going to be picture perfect for me. Pitt didn't draft me, and uh, I didn't get to come home and play for Pittsburgh. I know, I mean, um, Pitt didn't offer me a scholarship, and that's okay. I know that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to draft me, and the, and the dream is going to be complete. Well, <laughs> oh, Pittsburgh Steelers did need a. Uh, a defensive back, and it wasn't me. They didn't select me. They actually selected uh, Chad Scott from the University of Maryland right. uh, that year in 1997. And, uh, you know, I thought that at that time, you know, my dreams weren't crushed because, again, I wasn't the most coveted person on my team uh, in 1997. My roommate was a guy named Canute Curtis, who was an All-American linebacker at the time. He was a Dick Buckus uh, finalist, and we had the same agent. So going into draft day, we actually had like a, a party. It was basically a party for him because we thought that he was going to get drafted in the first round. However, Canute had the misfortune of pulling his hamstring yeah. uh, during the combine workouts, and he started sliding down the draft board charts. And as he slid down, I had great individual um, and collective workouts, personal workouts down in West Virginia, and I was able to climb up on some people's boards and I ended up getting drafted in the sixth in the, in the second round, and Canute didn't end up getting drafted to the sixth round. So it was a kind of a bittersweet moment for me that day because uh, you know I was thinking that my roommate was going to get drafted a little higher than I was, and we were all going to celebrate together. Yeah. But uh, you know it, it, he ended up making it to the league and, and stuck around for about six years. So we uh, we share in that journey together. Well, let me ask you this, Mike. When you when you got the call, I, did you get the call from the coach himself, or or where'd you find out that you were actually drafted? Where was it from? Watching the TV, ESPN, and the ticker. I'm trying to figure out, like you know, because we love to get the inside of how guys got drafted. Because you know, these younger guys they want to get that feel of how it is to be within that draft. Yeah, like I said, we were um, we actually had a little party set up down in West Virginia. We had like a little hotel rented out, and uh, we were sitting there just stealing calls. And again, you know, <laughs> I, I thought that my I thought my day, like, you know, my call might come a little later or maybe even the second day. So we're sitting there, and uh, my agent, who was Steve Hayes, uh, calls me in. And he said, hey, I'm starting to get some phone calls, uh, you know, about some teams that want to draft you. 
And I would come behind you. I talked to a whole bunch of teams, and everybody says, we, you know, we have you on our board. We have you on our board. But I was kind of bracing myself for a long day just to, just to, so I wouldn't, you know, have that disappointment. Uh, when I started getting some of the phone calls and we started talking, uh, I was actually on the phone with Detroit Lions. And wow. my agent was, you know, my agent was saying, hey, Detroit wants you. Uh, it looks like you're going to go in the second round. Uh, with the 54th pick, you know, with the yeah, with the 54th pick, I think it was um, to to the Detroit Lions. So I'm elated, you know, and I got family <laughs> in Detroit, so I'm kind of like, this is exciting. This is the best thing that's you know happening to me. Right. Tom Coughlin ends up calling my agent and says, um, you know, we're looking at Mike for a defensive back. We want a safety. We think that you know he'll fit into that program. So he called me back in. He said, hey, Jacksonville is on the phone right now. I said, well. Detroit already told me that they're picking me up. I was almost celebrating. You know, I'm, oh, I'm like, get ready to go out. And uh, lo and behold, um, you know, Tom Coughlin calls and he says, uh, you're getting ready to be drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars. So get ready to, you know, come down to, to Duval County and then be a Jaguar. And, I'm, and I look at my dad and I look over at my mom and I'm just like, I didn't even know what to say because it, it was a dream that, you know, came to for me. And um, I was excited, but at the same time, I was kind of confused because I'm like, am I getting drafted by Detroit? Am I getting drafted? And by the time I hung up the phone, um, they were on the TV saying my name, Mike Logan, selected with the 50th pick by the Jacksonville Jaguars. So just <laughs> elation uh, pouring out from there. And my uncle came down and uh, my aunts came down and they're telling me all kind of stories about how when I was little carrying this football around. So it was it was a joyous time and it was a really, really joyous time for me and my family. Now that had to be something. Now you went through that whole draft process. Now here you are, your your first day, you know, coming into to Jacksonville. And you're playing for who I who I deem as a pretty decent coach and Tom Coughlin, who just recently got let go by the New York Giants, but I respect the guy and I think he is a decent coach. How was that whole process coming in there? I mean, the whole feeling of, you know what, okay, I'm here, I'm in the NFL, and I'm with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, for me, uh, you know, I had knew Tom Coughlin from coaching at Boston College. We had some uh, pretty tense rivalry games uh, when I was at West Virginia. And I also had a guy that I played with, Aaron Beasley, in college who had got drafted by Jacksonville uh, the year before. So, I knew somebody down in Jacksonville. I felt like I would be comfortable coming down in there and fitting in. What I didn't expect was for the transition to be so hard uh, from the collegiate game to the NFL game, just dealing with all the stuff that comes with being in the NFL. So, uh, again, it comes to that education about learning from guys who've done it before you. Fortunately, I had Aaron Beasley there to kind of pull me along the ropes and help me out. And uh, playing for Tom Coffin was, uh, to me at the time, one of the most difficult things that I've ever had to do in my life. He's a hard-nosed coach who rides you hard. And, I went, and, and, and I'll share this. My relationship with Tom Coffin went from a hate-hate-hate relationship <laughs> to a love-love-love relationship. He's wow. one of the best coaches that I ever had when it comes to the X's and O's. And he's also one of those coaches that is getting you prepared for life. And as a young kid who was 23, I think, I, when I got drafted, I never understood that. I never understood why he was pressing us so hard about the little things, about doing, the, doing what was right all the time and just being prepared at all times. And, you know, I would wake up every day and say, man, why is he so hard on us? Because right. we had some good teams and we were winning and we were, you know, being productive. And I never understood that. When I got finished playing, I look back on my career, 
and I understood what Tom Coughlin was trying to instill, instill in us as men. And he has the utmost respect from me. I don't think he's done coaching right now. Oh, I don't either. But whoever he coaches, they're getting something from him. And you may not like it at the time, but when you get done and you reflect and you've been on a team that he's coached, you'll have the utmost respect from you. I guarantee you, every player that he coaches, they'll have the utmost, utmost respect from Tom Coughlin. That's awesome. Now, now you were at the Jaguars from 97 to 2000, and finally, in 2001, you land in Pittsburgh. Tell us about this dream team. <laughs> Black and yellow, bro. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I used to come home every offseason, and uh, I would go support all local Pittsburgh sports. So I would go out to see Swin Cash, who went to uh, McKeesport High School, go play basketball. I used to always run into Bill Cowher. His daughters played basketball at different tournaments all across the city. And I remember seeing uh, Bill one day at a tournament and, and just jokingly saying, I, I would I would like to come home to Pittsburgh. You know, I think I would look good in that black and gold. And, uh, you know, I don't know if that had any bearing on me coming home, but I did get a phone call. My agent called me, you know, soon after saying that he thinks Pittsburgh is interested in me and uh, I might be able to come home as a free agent. And I told him at that time, I said to my agent, listen, I don't care what they offer me. If they make a deal for me and they want me, we're going to Pittsburgh. Nice. So, uh, you know, I said, I'm going home. And he's like, listen, you pay me to do a job. I got to try to get, you know, the best contract for you. I said, listen, here, I pay you. And if you want to get paid, <laughs> make that happen. Pretty much, yeah, so there they, you go. <laughs> yeah, if they make a deal, we're going to accept it. And uh, lo and behold, they, they ended up putting the deal out on the table. I almost signed it before I even got to read it because that's how much <laughs> – that's how much excitement I had in my body. Nice. And uh, I just wanted to wanted to get the deal done so I could come home and don the black and gold. And uh, when they offered the contract, I called my father, who's a, Mike Harbour, who's a uh, photographer, editor for KDKA. And uh, we sat in, that, in the offices over on the south side where his father used to work at the J&L Steel Mill. And I was able to sign my contract. So needless to say, it was a pretty emotional day for me and my father was, as we're gazing out the window on the grounds that my my grandfather used to get his hands dirty, and then uh, me being able to sign a contract to become a Pittsburgh Steelers. It was it, it's a it's a pretty special story and something that I enjoy sh- sharing with everyone. You know what, Mike? Also, I wanted to grab that feeling. Now, now you finally got that chance where you're playing for the Steelers. How was it for you walking into that locker room for the first time? You wearing that uniform. What was that feeling like? As to say to yourself, you know what? It's finally here. The home side, the home side locker room. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. It, it was um, it, it was a reality check for me um, because at first, even when I signed the contract, it still didn't seem real to me. You know, I was just, you know, I was saying I'm officially a Pittsburgh Steeler, but then once I was able to put on the uniform, and it's almost like when you put on that uniform, when you know about the history and the tradition of the Pittsburgh Steelers, it's almost like you've been a part of it your whole life. And that's how I felt once I was able to, to, to put on, you know, the, the, the gold pants and the, and the black shirt. All that historic uh, tradition just came into my body. And I was overwhelmed. It took me a while to really just uh, understand what had happened, who I was playing for, and what I was doing. But uh, it didn't take me long because I, I knew the feeling I was ready to go. And it was just so much elation because it was a dream come true for me that started when I was six years old. Now let me ask you this, Mike. Coming from a non-contending team to a 
contending team in in Pittsburgh. Your first year, 2001, the Steelers end up 13-3, and but they lose to the Patriots in AFC Championship game. What was going on in your mind? This first year in Pittsburgh, we almost get to the big dance. What were your thoughts? Well, you know, I knew that I had a great chance of, uh, you know, getting to the Super Bowl. Of course, I followed the Pittsburgh Steelers even when I played for Jacksonville because, uh, you know, I was still a Steeler fan at the time. And my whole family would keep me, uh, you know, abreast of what was going on in Pittsburgh and how they were doing. So, you know, I knew that I had an opportunity to come home and play for a good team. I knew Coach Cowher. I knew his coaching style. Um, so and I was familiar with – uh, what they were doing here in Pittsburgh because uh, I had uh, Dom Capers as a defensive coordinator down in Jacksonville, so I knew that I would fit into the scheme. And that was my whole goal of uh, going into the NFL was being a Super Bowl champion, being able to play in the Super Bowl. So, of course, there was a, a lot of disappointment when I came home in that in that 3 season and we lost to the Patriots because, uh, you know, I was thinking, am I going to be a player who never gets an opportunity to play in the Super Bowl? Uh, you know, Getting to the AFC Championship is not the Super Bowl. And, you know, I think I played in that game three times, one game away from being in the Super Bowl. So when I got to my ninth year, and I'm thinking, man, this may be it. You know, what's what's going on? (laughs) And uh, had the good fortune that year of being able to make that run, finally win the AFC Championship game and make it to the Super Bowl. Now, let me ask you this, Mike. Now, you know, coming into Pittsburgh, having such – they're having success already. But what was it like playing with the likes on defense like uh, Hagens and, and Joey Porter? Well, we know Joey Porter still is out there trying Easy. to play, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jason yeah, Gilded. still feels like he got a couple quarters left in him, and he probably does. Um, you know, it, it, it's great to play with talented players, but it's a special feeling to be able to play with leaders. And well, like uh, we that. have so many leaders – on our football team. And it wasn't like they had to be appointed uh, into that leadership role. It was something that they embraced. And we had guys uh, like Jason Gilden on that team. We had guys like Lee Flowers, um, Brent Alexander, all guys who may not have got uh, gotten the acclaim and the, and the fame and had their names uh, in the papers week in and week out. But those guys were leaders. And they took our locker room and they made us understand what we were trying to do as a team collectively. They weren't worried about individual goals. They weren't worried about uh, whose name was going to be in the record books. And I think that's why their careers turned out uh, so significant the way they did. I mean, Jason Gilton is still the all-time leading sacker in Pittsburgh Steelers history. I mean, and that's special. And that guy was a quiet guy who just came to work every day ready to go. And when you have guys like that surrounding you, it, it makes you want to step up and be a leader. So we all kind of embrace that leadership role without without having to say anything. And I think that showed through the success that we had during my tenure when I was with uh, those six special teams that I played with in Pittsburgh while I was here. Now, now, Mike, tell us about your breakout year in 2003 and what happened the following year in 04. Well, I, I, every year that I came into the league, I, um, I started out as a cornerback actually down in Jacksonville. I came in, I played corner, uh, was just kicking the ropes of things. And then they switched me to safety. Chris Hudson got hurt. I ended up playing strong safety down there. And I kind of fit into that role, so I enjoyed it. Um, When I came to Pittsburgh, they actually moved me to free safety. And it took me a little while to get adjusted from, you know, switching up to different positions. I had played in a nickel role. I had played in a dime role. And people will say, well, it's still a defensive back. 
But there's so many different roles that you have to take on when you switch positions from uh, a guy who's the quarterback back there and getting people lined up and making the calls and the guy who makes the adjustments, or you have to be the guy who's an adjuster that's running across the formation. You may be covering a tight end. You may be covering a slot. You might have to go out wide sometimes if they put a, a flex tight end out. So it took me a minute to get accustomed to everything, all the roles and responsibilities that I had. By 2003, I was vested. I was more, um, you know, uh, prone to picking up the things that had to be done, and I was able to react to it in my natural ability. And it was also the healthiest year of my career. I had endured a plethora of injuries right. uh, during my time in the NFL. So 2003 was just a year where I felt good. My body was, was all together, and I had a great uh, grasp of everything that they expected out of me. And when you're playing for uh, a guy like uh, Dom Capers, and you're playing for guys like Tim Lewis, and you're playing for guys uh, who, who who really just force the, the, the intellect of the game on you. You become more comfortable, and that's what happened for me in 2003. I was just comfortable in my role, in my position, and all of my athletic ability was able to come out and shine. Beautiful. Now, uh, let's, let's get to 2005, Mike, really quick. The year that Steelers won the Super Bowl, you get your ring, but it almost didn't happen. Let me take you right. back to the – the, the playoff game against the Colts. Now, we've had we've had a couple guys on the show. We had Trey Essex, Clark Hagens, and a couple other guys who were playing on the O line that that day. And we asked them, "What were you thinking? What was going through your mind?" You, you pretty much have the game in set. You're going to Denver. All we have to do is either give the ball to Jerome, let him punch it through, or get tackled, run the clock out, and all of a sudden, he fumbles. And now the Colts get the ball. They're running up the field. Did you see the play? And if you did, what was going on through your mind? Um, initially, I didn't see it. You know, of course, I heard when uh, the ball popped out. I turned around, and I'm looking. And it seemed like that play was just taking forever. <laughs> um, you know, you see Ben running back, looking over his shoulder the wrong way. And then you're looking back, and it turned around. And it just seemed like it was taking forever. Once he made the tackle, I, I swear to you, I felt like, we were just destined to win that game. And, you know, I had a sense of calmness, even though deep, deep, deep down, you know, <laughs> butterflies were churning and everything. I didn't, I won't, I wouldn't admit that at the time, but there was still a sense of calmness. Now, everybody else, when Jerome comes to the sideline, people, you know, they're either kind of quietly consoling him, just saying, hey, keep your head up, or they're just completely staying away from him. If you watch all the tapes, you know, I'm a guy who was always around Jerome because I knew the camera was going to be on. Hey, I made this Hall of Fame speech, man. You got to know where to be when, right. when the camera's on. You know what I mean? <laughs> My dad's a photographer, editor, so I know where to go. On. But, there you um, go. You know, I, I went over to him and I just kneeled down. I kind of just looked at him with like a little smirk on my face. Like, in my mind, I'm thinking, like, really, Jerome, this is how it's going to end. If this is your last game, this is the bus stop. This is what you're going to, you know, rem be remembered by. And it was all in fun. Right. Because at the end of the day, I felt like I knew that it was, you know, the stars were lining up for us that day. If you want to say the football gods or whatever or were with us. But at that time, it just felt like, you know, we were going to win that football game. And uh, when Mike Vanderjack came out and he missed that field goal, it was just like, here we go. We knew it. You know what I mean? Even though we didn't know it at the time, but it just felt like we knew it. So a, a fun time. And it just adds to the dramatics of how we were able to get it done. Now, let me ask you this, Mike. How, how was it uh, to go home? you know, with that ring on your finger 
that night had to be something special. You know what I mean? You, your friends, family around, the celebration. What was that all like? Well, for me, it was, um, you know, personally, being from Pittsburgh, being a kid who idolized the Steelers growing up, um, being a kid who, who said that I wanted to play for the Steelers and win a Super Bowl, all my dreams had came to fruition. So when I was able to get that ring and put it on my finger and it said Logan on there, um, you know, it was, it, was, it was an exciting time, but it was an emotional time. And it was just um, something that my mother and I had talked about numerous times, even as a child, all the way growing up to when I was able to, to, to sign a contract for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And me being able to share in that with her, who overseen me throughout my life and said, I can't wait for my baby to accomplish his dream. So for me, it was almost like it was a dream that my mother and I shared. So I was doing it for me. I was doing it for her. So me being able to have that ring on it, have my ring on and see Logan on the side with that was really like a tribute to, to both my parents, to my father and mother. And, you know, my mother being able to see me playing the Super Bowl before she passed away untimely in 2008 um, was you know, that, that, that I, I really truly can't find the words to say about how special it is now to uh, carry on her name through that through that ring. Every time oh, I put yeah. it on, it's, it's something special that I can look back on and reflect and say, I was able to share this with her. And she was able to see her child accomplish his dream, which I know meant the world to her. Oh, exactly. To have a parent watch their son or, or, or daughter get to that, that pinnacle, in sports or whatever they they try to achieve is something amazing but you went on after that super bowl and you actually you played another year in in the 06 season and then you eventually said you know what it's time to retire what what finally got you to that point where you said you know what this is it i think i you know i'm done playing football well it, it really hit home for me in the super bowl um i was i got injured again in the in the second quarter in the super bowl and uh, it was another knee injury, a devastating knee injury, where I had to get posterior reconstruction on my on my other knee after I had posterior reconstruction on the left knee. And um, you know, for me, I, I was in my ninth year. I was like, you know, nine years in the NFL is a very, very long time. Right. And throughout that the nine years, I, I had I had so many injuries you can't even keep a chart on it. So it was just enduring the injuries and, and battling year in and year out. And I remember having a conversation with my mother saying, you know, I have one more year on my contract. And I basically told her, I said, this is it for me. And, uh, you know, that last year, um, I was mainly a special teams player at that time, but I was able to sit back and really embrace the journey. And for me to be able to to be in, you know, play a decade in the National Football League, uh, I was able to sit back and really enjoy the ride. Because when you first get into the NFL, all your emotions are going, everything is going so fast, and you're just, you know, doing things without even really enjoying it. That last year, I was able to really sit back and enjoy it. Now, I'm not saying that I didn't go out and give my wholehearted effort, came in and came out, but I was really able to sit back and really see how uh, honored and, and a privilege it is to be a part of the fraternity of the NFL. And my family got to ride that journey with me. So at the end of uh, that 10th year for me, I knew it was it. And I was content with it. I had tried to set my, you know, my afterlife up. I had some things kind of 
lined up after I said I wanted to take some time off and really just get myself together and enjoy my family and my children. Right. Um, so I, I have prepped myself for it. And um, to say that I played 10 years in the NFL is one thing, but to say that I was going to leave out playing for the team that I grew up idolizing and being donned as a Super Bowl champion, I felt like it was a storybook text, you know, texting me for a storybook uh, story. Beautiful. Folks, if you're listening, you're just checking right now, Steeler Nation Live, we have with us Mike Logan, ex-Super Bowl champion, the Pittsburgh Steelers cornerback, one of the elite defensemen of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, now Mike, we want to thank you so much for coming on our show, but it's not over yet. This is, the, right. <laughs> this is, this is the point of the show where we call the Blitz. Now, you, you being a defender, you should know all about what a Blitz is. So, all right. So basically, we're going to ask you some fun questions. I say fun. And um, All right, not necessarily football questions, but you no know, fun questions. And we want you, we want to ask these questions. We want you to say, wow, that's a great question. So we're gonna right. we're gonna start off with Mike, what was the best advice ever given to you? Um, get your college degree. I love it. Y'all love it. You nice. hear that a lot of young guys out there listen to what he's saying. This guy's not only talking, he's preaching at the same time as well. Yeah, not a college degree in basket weaving, but something that <laughs> something you could do after your NFL career is over. Exactly. Yeah, that, that was the best advice, and it, it came from George Smith from McKeesport High School. I love it. Let me ask you this, Mike. Favorite thing about Pittsburgh? Favorite thing? Food. Food. <laughs> there's there's, there's and, and you know what? I get to indulge now because when you're playing, you know, you can't go out to, to Minio's Pizza. You can't go to Permanis every week unless, you know, like you're Casey Hampton or one of those guys. Um, you know, you get to go to Originals. So I'm enjoying all the foods of Pittsburgh that I couldn't eat when I was playing. I'm loving it. Now now you brought the food. Now we got to ask you, your favorite place to eat in Pittsburgh. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> well, right it, it, it has changed. It has changed almost every year since I retired. Pepe's? Right now, yeah, <laughs> well, well, no, Pepe's, Pepe's used to be my, one of my favorites. That was probably about four or five years ago. Right now, there's a place on the North Shore. It's 917 Western Avenue. It's called Karma, C-A-R-M-I. It is slamming. Everything on the menu <laughs> is outstanding. I go in, and they have they actually have a bowl for me. It's called the Logue Bowl, and, it's, and I get fish stew in it. defensive end, right? That's right. I, I can play that <laughs> linebacker pretty good right now. There exactly. Go. Let me ask you this, Mike. Best Steeler coach, Cower or Tomlin? Ooh, well, you know, what's interesting about that, I've gotten to know Mike personally um, off the field because uh, I was at a track club and I coached. I was able to coach a couple of his, his uh, kids, uh, Dino and Mason. Um, so I've gotten to know him on a personal level. And what was funny about the relationship that I had with, with Mike Tomlin, I retired the year he came in. Right. And I remember sitting in his office. Um, he actually, you know, we actually had a meeting. And uh, I sat down, and I'm thinking at the time, I think I was 35, and I think he was 36 at the time. Wow. <laughs> you know, because he was the youngest coach uh, coming right. in. And I'm looking, and I said, I'm his age. <laughs> and I would be playing for him, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it was, it was kind of one of those weird feelings. But I felt like he would be the perfect fit to take over for Coward for this 
team. And I know that he had a little rough transition that first year when he came in because he was kind of tough on the players. Right. So I didn't really I didn't have an opportunity to play for him. But I had no I had such a history with Coach Power and uh, being able to talk to him as one of the veterans on the team and tell him uh, what the team wanted and what to uh, he was able to tell me what he expected. And he, he didn't have to say that. You know, he had guys uh, like myself and Joey Porter uh, and Clark Higgins who would speak to the team on his behalf. And we just had that understanding between us. So I think both of those coaches were great fits for the teams that they coached. Beautiful. Now, Mike, if you could go back in time, one thing in your past that you can change or have a do-over, what would that be? Um, I, I would, And this is – Something that I'm that I'm living out right now, you know, I'm I'm a faith guy now, and uh, I wish that I would have really honed in and and, and took him, taken my faith more seriously and found out what it's about, um, because you know your faith can get you out of uh, a whole lot of things without having to experience them and go through it. So right now, you know, my faith is first and foremost in my life, so I would put that as a priority first in my life, and then everything else after that. I feel would have fell into order, into the correct order. Now, I did learn a lot from the things that I had to go through, but had my faith been the first priority in my life, um, you know, if Christ was first in my life at that time, I could have avoided a lot of things, and I could have talked about it instead of, instead of experiencing it. I love it. Wow, that's deep. Now, Mike, if Hollywood yeah. was coming to, do, coming to Pittsburgh, and they wanted to do a, a story, and they picked you to, to do this story about, you know, Mike Logan, now, let me ask you, if they were coming here, coming to Pittsburgh, who would play Mike Logan? Oh, wow. Who would play me? <laughs> uh, um, that's, a, that's, that's a challenging one. I, I, I'm coaching now, so I see a lot of kids, and I can see myself and a lot of my students. And uh, they're not necessarily all athletes, but there's a couple students that I think that, that could have played me to a T. And, wow. uh, you know... And, and, but but now since I've been able to go through that, I'm able to to share with them some of that, and let them experience some of that, and be able to firsthand give it to them. And one of my students that I, that he's now at the University of Duquesne, his name is Abner Roberts, AJ Roberts, um, a special kid who his upbringing was kind of similar to mine, and uh, I think that his journey and his story can be comparable to mine. So. I would say it will be one of my former students, uh, Abner Roberts. Wow. All right. You ready for this one, Mike? I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> All right. You're... I think I'm ready. <laughs> you, we need to hear your best Bill Cower impersonation. Oh, well, you would have to, it would have to be a visual impersonation. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Because you know, I, I kind of have the protruded chin, the long chin, like him as well. I got I got I got a long chin, but it has it has to do with this look, and it has to do with a whole bunch of moisture coming out of your mouth, and it's the it's the cower shower, and uh, believe it or not, I I, I got a cower shower. Uh, I he, I had a, a cower shower. Unnecessary. I had an unnecessary roughness penalty in the end of a Cincinnati game, I peeled back on a long snapper and I, I gave him a good, nice shot. Um, and I got penalized for it because I got up and said some unchoice words to, to, the, to the guy while he was down on the ground. And I got a, a taunting, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. 
and Phil came over and he was looking for me. And I could see oh, flames no. coming out of his mouth and snow snot coming out of his nose. <laughs> oh, jeez. And I, I hid from him. I, I got away for like five minutes and I thought he forgot about it. No, but no, he was no. Looking, he was, and then he finds me on the sideline and he just starts spitting. I don't get worried. You you know, and I put my head down because I'm just like, dude is spitting in my like he's just everywhere. And I understood his frustration, but if you could have seen it, oh, uh, it was it was just pretty. I, I walked over and I'm like getting the sanitary wipes, just trying to wipe my face off and telling the uh, trainers to put alcohol on the towel so I could just rub down. Uh, it was it was pitiful, embarrassing, but it was just you know one of those things that goes along to 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 the story of Mike Logan. Come on, come on, Logan. You're better than that. You're better than that. Urgency. It, it was bad. Urgency. Oh, it was bad. It was bad. Uh, I mean, if you could have seen it, it was, it was bad. The chin was out long, and he just had a, had a mouthful. It was, it was, it was, it was interesting though. It was, it was a, it was a fun fight afterwards. Oh man, I had to imagine that boy. Now, now here's the last question in the blitz round. We want to ask you is, uh, if you were stuck in a foxhole, bullets flying overhead. You know, raging battle overhead. Who would you want in that fox, foxhole battling? Player, family member, whoever comes to mind. Well, I, I'll give you. Um, if it was a family member, it, it would be my mother who passed on. She was just, she was just that tough. I right. actually couldn't beat my mother in a foot race until I was 15 years old. <laughs> she used to challenge me. She would challenge me every day. And she would be like, come on out here. Come on out here. And she used to beat me up. I mean, I was so depressed. Like, I can't beat her. And when I finally beat her at 15 years old, um, that was like, it was like I won a Super Bowl then. Wow. But even yeah. then, but even then, I still think she might have let me win. And, that, and that's, I'm being honest. I think she might have let me win. But if, if I was to choose a player, a, a 1B on that list, it would be my former teammate, Chidi Awoma. Wow. And Chidi was a, yep, Chidi was a special teams guru. He was a small guy. But you're talking about somebody who had heart, and somebody would do anything that was asked of him and go above and beyond that, and somebody who would have your back regardless of any situation, a guy who had integrity and who was honest and authentic, that would be the guy that I choose. And he was a special player, um, you know, never got the credit I felt like he deserved. He would be a guy who would step up in a situation and say, Coach, no, that was my fault, that was my responsibility, and I love to have a guy like that in my corner. Wow, I love it. I love it, Mike. Yeah. See, that's what I'm talking about. Fans out there, this is why, you know, we invited Mike down to the show and respectfully Mike, you know, took the offer and came in and talked to us. Busy guys. You can see Mike's always got a lot of things going on out there. But we want to ask you, Mike, there's one thing that I know a lot of the fans want to know is what is Mike Logan out there doing now? Well, I'm doing this was the year, you know, everybody makes their resolutions where they, they're saying they have to do this and they're going to do that. This was the year and I told my wife, <laughs> and I said, you know what? I'm going to prioritize some things. I'm going to take some things off the schedule, and I'm going to really spend some quality time with her Amen, and, and kind of relax and try to relax a little bit. <laughs> hasn't, hasn't worked out that good so far. But um, right now, the main thing that I'm doing is, uh, again, I'm, I'm prioritizing my faith. Um, we are in a lot of ministries in our church at Macedonia Church of Pittsburgh. My wife and I are in a lot of ministries, and we're trying to really make sure that our faith is first and foremost in our life. Right. But I'm co I'm coaching and teaching. Now, I'm teaching and coaching. 
and I'm teaching uh, life. I'm a life skills educator at University Prep, and I work with some uh, some students, and I try to equip them with some some things that you're going to need in life: um, presentation, character development, um, some financial literacy. I'm trying to just instill some of those qualities in in them so they they can be prepared for life, even if they don't play sports or if they do play sports. In the midst of that, I'm doing a little bit of coaching. I'm coaching the special teams, and I'm coaching the defensive backs at University Prep. I still do a little radio here from um, from time to time for Trib Live Media. Um, my daughter now is in uh, 10th grade. She's doing, like, almost a club volleyball, so I'm traveling all around the country, following her around. So I'm kind of getting that, 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 that schedule in line um, where I, I, I'm prioritizing some things. I'm taking some things off the list. And I'm trying to relax a little bit. And I'm trying to relax because as I look back now at my career and I see some of the guys that, I'm, that I've played with dealing with a lot of, uh, a lot of health issues, um, a lot of guys, you know, um, or, or, or dealing with the ALS and CTE, guys who are my age or even passing away. And I don't want to be so caught up in my life doing things, um, you know, that, that I just wanted to do more so the things that I need to do right now in my life um, is what I'm focusing on. And I really want to embrace and cherish the time that I have left, and I want to build my legacy to be bigger than me just being a football player. So when I leave this earth, whenever my time is called, I want people to say, Mike Logan was whatever it is I leave it by. And by the way, he was a Super Bowl champion too. Oh, so I love it. Whatever oh, I, yeah, the Pittsburgh whatever Steelers. Whatever I leave is a legacy, yeah. Don't That's what we're talking don't about. Don't leave that out. Mike, you know what? With the with the NFL playoffs here and uh, everybody watching, you know, of course, we've seen our Steelers lose, uh, you know, just past weekend. But you know what? Things happen. But, you know, I'm pretty much, you know, happy with uh, what I've seen, you know, in that game in some, in some aspects. But the fact is there are, you know, there are a lot of other things that's going on in this game. And the fact is, who do you see winning the title this year in the NFL? I tell you what, there's some great teams left. Um, real quick, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers had an outstanding season with all the things that happened with them. Every team has right. adversity uh, throughout the year, but I think this was a, a special job by that coaching staff and this team. With the teams left in the playoffs, you you got to love Carolina and what they were able to do to Seattle, even though they kind of got conservative and let those guys come back. Those guys are playing outstanding football right now so hopefully I, I, I think I'm rooting for Cam to, to, to come out on top I know they got to go play Pittsburgh West and the Arizona Cardinals who who has a pretty good football team uh, as well but I think uh, you know Carolina is going to ride that momentum and I as, as much as I you know I love I, I like the, the way the, the Patriots are coached and they and, and they play but I can't bring myself to just cheer for them or <laughs> no. say that they will win. No. I can't no. bring myself to say that they will win. I can't. I, I just can't do it. So they, even if I felt like they were the best team right now, I wouldn't say that they're going to win the Super Bowl. I just can't do it. <laughs> Mark won't allow me to do it. I agree. <laughs> That's how we feel here, brother. Hey, and also I wanted to throw this out to you before we go to the end of the show is the fact that you know, I noticed that when you go watch the game, we've seen some on Twitter as well. You got to check them out. The fact that you are you watch the game at the Club Bar and Grill in Monroeville, PA. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And and last Sunday, 
um, you know, I was coming back from Philadelphia. My, my daughter had a tournament up in King of Prussia, and I was driving back. And, and I'm getting off the uh, turnpike, and my wife calls, and I said, uh, hey, what are we doing? She said, we're going to go out to the club and then watch the game out in Moreauville. And I got with the uh, same group of friends that I had, and they actually got me to – this was the first game that they actually got me to wear my jersey uh, <laughs> for the game. So I said, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't have worn it. I don't know. But I, I, I have one – I usually give I gave away all the jerseys that I had when I was playing because my family's still in his, in Pittsburgh. So if you see uh, a number of Mike Logan jerseys, they probably got them for me because they took all of my jerseys <laughs> and I gave my dad I gave my dad my Super Bowl jersey. He got that one framed up. So I I didn't have not one jersey of mine, and I wouldn't wear it. It seems kind of vain, but they were like, "Come on, you got it." I ended up getting a a, a jersey from the ten year reunion of uh, Super Bowl forty, and I that was the only uh, jersey that I've ever kept and war for this game. So I, I got one jersey left, and probably by the time this interview is over, somebody will be called me and say, can they have it, and they'll be gone, and I'll be back to zero. <laughs> oh, jeez. You know what, guys? That's what it's about. Like I said, we have guys on the show like Mike Logan. Mike, we appreciate the fact that you took the time out and stopped by Stiller Nation Live, and like we said, brother, we'll have it. Have the interview out for you to check it out at your, at your leisure, brother. And like we said, we appreciate you, brother. You are not just a class act on the field, but a class act off the field, brother. And, Mike, we appreciate you for coming on Still Nation Live tonight. Hey, thank you for having me. Uh, again, if you guys want to reach out to me, contact me on my uh, website, www.mikelogan31.com, on Twitter and Instagram at mlogan31, and at Facebook at Mike Logan. So fans, contact me. I, I like to welcome questions. When I have time, I try to answer every one of them and have that great dialogue with you guys. I, I appreciate the rapport with all the fans and Stiller Nation, and I thank you guys for having me once again. No problem, Mike. There you have it, guys. Another one in the books. And thanks again, Mike, for stopping by. No problem. God bless. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.